Welcome to the Straight to the Point podcast, where your hosts, Dr. Paul Lawrence and Dr. Tyler Piron, will take a condensed look into some of the pressing, commonly asked questions from within our veteran community. Join Paul and Tyler as they get straight to the point to bring clarity and a better understanding to intriguing topics. Now, here are your hosts, Dr. Paul Lawrence and Dr. Tyler Piron. Welcome to Straight to the Point. I'm Tyler Piron, and I'm also joined with Dr. Paul Lawrence. He was the immediate past person in charge of all the benefits at the VA, so he's a pretty good expert on helping us sort of get to straight to the point about benefits. And this is a deep challenge because there's so many things that people don't understand. There's lots of rumors. There's lots of things that people have misconceptions about. So we're going to get into how do you make a claim? Do you need a lawyer? And what is the best way to get the benefits that you're due? Hey, how are you doing, Paul? Hey, it's great to see you again, Tyler. And straight to the point, happy to be with you. This is awesome. So let's talk about making claims to the VA for benefits. Now, in this case, we're going to talk about medical benefits, the disability benefits, because there's a lot of other benefits that the VA offers. But a lot of times people automatically assume you're talking about disability benefits because that's the most common. So let's talk about that first. What is the process to make a claim to the VA to get your benefits? Well, at a high level, getting disability compensation is pretty straightforward. You have to have a condition and be able to demonstrate that it's service-connected and have it, it happen while you're in service, and it still continues when you're filing the claim. So it's pretty straightforward at a high level. You have to have records to demonstrate that you were in the service. You have to have medical records to demonstrate your claim. You produce all that information, and you turn it over to VA in some forms. Now, where it gets complicated is that it is complicated. Through a series of laws and rules and regulations, it's gotten complicated. The forms are complicated. So certainly a smart veteran can do this him or herself. But often at some point, they begin to wonder, do I need help? And this is where the options begin to expand. And sometimes veterans are unaware of the no-cost options and and therefore sometimes begin to spend money for this when they might not have to. So let's go through the options. So assuming you say, this is a little harder than I want to really devote time to, I would like to get some no-cost help. One of the immediate ways you can do this is get help from the veteran service organizations, the American Legion, VFW, Vietnam Veterans of America, Paralyzed Veterans, Wounded Warrior Project, I probably forgot one or two others, who have service officers who help veterans process their claims. Fill out the paperwork, they'll sit there with them, they'll explain it. And what's really important about this is often they have a lot of knowledge and can help the veterans do stuff efficiently. So for example, many veterans think, come in, boy, I'm going to identify 17 or 20 or 100 conditions. Service officers will explain, no, really, you're going to get there with what your intention are with these five. That will help you save time. They will help you write it up better. They're familiar with the forms, and they will really save you time, energy, and heart, heartache, quite frankly. So that's now, what I would call the, vet, the, v, the VSO option. I do hear about where people go and make all these claims for these things that they don't have any evidence of, but they're just hearing about it. And they're like, I'm going to do this mass dump. Like for me, I was never in the Vietnam era, but they would claim Agent Orange exposure. Even though I wasn't in Vietnam, 
but they're like, oh, that's a presumptive condition. Just try it. Maybe they'll give it to you. Yeah. And so you get these claims with like 30 different things that they say are wrong with them, even though most of them they're not eligible for or don't even have any symptoms for. Yeah, no, there's certainly a school of thought that more is better, but this is where a good service officer will help you. They'll say, listen, that's not going to get there. Don't do that. I mean, one of the things I remember talking to Wounded Warrior Project about, for example, was their service officer would tell you, you don't have a claim. We're not filing this for you. We can look at it and tell you. So their perspective was, we want to file good claims where there is, in fact, something that someone can really work on. So there's an element of just what you said, Tyler, but there's more focus on getting a good claim done because, quite frankly, a good claim will go through the process fast. If there's evidence and if there's a, it will get approved fast. So there's really desire on all parties to get a good claim done. Good evidence, good demonstration of the service connection, good good documentation of what took place. And so that's why the uh, I'm a very big fan of the service officers at the veteran service organizations. But also, and I know you've done this in previous shows where you've had folks from the Virginia Department of Veteran Services come on and talk about how states and even some counties have service officers as well as well. They're compensated by the state or the county. So they don't charge veterans, again, anything to do this. So there's a whole nother set of folks who know the same sort of things who are able to help veterans. And what's really neat about the veteran service organizations is you don't have to be a member to get, they will do this because this is their mission and they want to do that. The same with your state. Now, they tend to have bias for the residents in your state, and you would expect as much, but they want to do that as well. The good thing about the state service officers in the counties is they often know in detail the state benefits you will be eligible for. Say, gee, if you get 90%, if you're service connected at the 90% level, you'll be eligible for these benefits at the state. So there's a lot of really good reasons to turn to the state as well. So between the veteran service organizations, as well as the states, there's a whole host of no cost options. Now, this is America and everybody has choices and that's something we all serve to protect. So there is a third option, which is you can in fact pay an agent, often a lawyer who will help you do this. And in turn, they will strike a financial deal with you, often a third of the benefits. And if that's something you want to do, you can. There are many people very aggressive on social media, outside bases and the like advertising. People can do that. I make no judgment as to who's better or who's worse. Just well, I make judgment. Offering. Yeah, I make big judgment. Because <laughs> I mean, yeah. you can do most of this yourself. I mean, if, if it's straightforward. Now, sometimes you do need a lawyer, or you might be better served with a lawyer on these like very old things, like we had with the uh, Department of Veteran Services, where they had to prove things exposure in in countries like in Thailand during the Vietnam War, and it's a sort of a much more complicated. And it's not straightforward, but I do see these ads and I'm telling you, they probably spend way more on ads in it like ambulance chasers because it's easy money. If the proof is there, it was going to be approved anyway. They're going to get paid for not doing much more than any VSO could do for free. Yeah, that's often the case. So again, I just put this out there. I don't want all the lawyers flooding your switchboard. But again, I think veterans are smart. They'll choose the one that's right for them, but they just often don't realize how many free uh, resources there are available to help. So 
got a little tricky during the pandemic. You used to be able to walk in and sit with people in person as everyone's converted to electronic now. So a lot of these sessions are the kind of things you and I are working on. But again, I think that's the one thing I would point out to veterans. Many no-cost options and organizations exist to do this and help veterans, whether you're a member or not. So we're talking about the initial claim where you go in and just put down, I have this condition, it was created in service, and I have it now. And so those two parts come together and that's a disability claim. Something happened in service and you currently have it now, or it was caused by service. It might not have showed up until years later, like uh, with the burn pits and things like that. But it's pretty straightforward. A and B gets you C. But sometimes the VA looks at it and, and disagrees or doesn't see the service connection or they don't see that it's currently a disability as they see it. And so those are the two things that usually have a problem. And we've talked with the uh, Department of Veterans Services and they have some great things, but not all the claims are equal. We get that because sometimes people claim things that aren't really an issue or they can't prove it or they have no records and that might be able to be overcome. But sometimes you have to appeal. How do people appeal the initial decision if they're denied? Certainly. Well, there's some new ways to do this, new being having started in 2019. So it used to be the only way you could do this was go to the Board of Veterans Appeals. It took a long time and you probably did need a lawyer because judges had to look at stuff. But in 2019, there became sort of different, different ways to do this. They're called lanes. So what you can do is you can go back to the Veterans Benefits Administration and say, I want to do something called a higher level review. This is like you see on sporting events where they have a more senior person look at the play and say whether, in fact, there was a penalty or not. It's the same thing. You send it back and say, no new evidence. We just have a disagreement here. I see it differently. And they will get a more senior claims processor to look at it and give a determination. And it could very well be you're right. A mistake was made. You shouldn't have been denied or more senior set of eyes can look at that. That's called higher level review. That was really well received. Generally get this resolved in 90 days, okay? As opposed to years to get a hearing in front of the judge back in the day. There's another lane, second lane called supplemental claim. Virtually the same thing as the higher level review, except now you can add more evidence. Okay, you said, didn't really prove that my knee was injured. Here, I got some more medical evidence about my knee. Put it in there. Same kind of conversation, again, in about 90 days. If you are unhappy with that, you can still go, or you could originally go to the Board of Veterans' Appeals and do sort of similar things. Judges will look at it with no new evidence. Judges will look at it with a little more evidence, or you can have a full-blown hearing in front of a judge. Okay, so there's many, there's many new ways you can do this. And since a lot of the disagreements tend to be kind of on errors or things that were missed, this higher level and supplemental really is something that veterans are turning to get a faster resolution of their situation, knowing that even if you are unhappy still, you can always go to the board and have your hearing. And if you're super dissatisfied, you can go to the Court of Appeals for Veterans Claims, CAVC. This is no kidding. Like the big deal judges, robes, the whole nine yards, and you can go there and fight it out. But that's the last thing. So let's just make sure I understand. So you have basically a, a different review, a de novo review, higher level review that says, hey, I think something was missed. 
someone more experienced takes a look at it and will also make a decision. Or you can say, you know what, you're right, but there's more evidence that you didn't have at the time. And they look at it and it's pretty fast, 90 days, turn it around, get it back to you. And then you have what is what I think would amount to be like an administrative judge, the uh, Board of Veterans Appeals. That's right. And so it's they're appointed judges, but they just do these administrative reviews and they're super familiar with the law, but they also have to write opinions. And so if you want to get in front of them, it's going to take a while. Yeah. There's only so many of them. They have a backlog as slow as you can imagine. And, And quite frankly, some people want to be in front of a judge. They feel I'm just not satisfied working with the Veterans Benefits Administration. I never saw this when I was there. Like there's bad mojo. They're out to get. I didn't see it, but I understand how you could feel that way. And that's one of the reasons why the Board of Veterans Appeals is there. So you're right. You can do any of these. And you think about the problem pre-2019. Someone said, I'm unhappy. It looks like you made a math mistake. You had to wait three to seven years to get it fixed. So it really was designed to work these kinds of situations. And behind it all, of course, was just a tremendous effort of the VA, the VSOs, Congress, everybody working together to design this new process. So it's not perfect, but it is an evolution and certainly an improvement. So again, this is things like higher level reviews and supplemental claims. You can do yourself or with your VSO. You really don't, you can choose a lawyer if you want, but there's a lot of reasons why you wouldn't need one. If it's a lot of money, if it's been going on for years and years, and like say 10 years that you've been going back and forth with the VA and you finally get in front of a judge, all that money, if you're going to get awarded, is accruing. And so it could be tens or even hundreds of thousands of dollars. Yeah. And if you have a good claim, you probably want to keep every dollar of it if you're that injured. If somebody said, hey, you can get $100,000 or... You can get $100,000 and pay the lawyer 30% and only get 70. I'm like, well, of course I want the 100. But a lot of people don't feel that isn't the right way to go. They need a lawyer. The VA isn't helping. And they're not aware of all these different organizations that have free legal help and will guide you and, and actually appear for the before the judge like a lawyer like the VFW and and the American Legion and Department of Veteran Services, they all have lawyers on staff that do this for free. I mean, that's their job in life. And so that's all they do. They will represent you. They will act as your person and help you through this process. And I think what's really important is, and maybe this is why sometimes people don't want to do the free option, is because a good service officer will tell you, you're not going to win. (laughs) They are right. The rules are in their favor. And Often people don't want to hear that. So I understand that. But you're right. I think we need to make sure that our veterans and their families and whoever is helping them really understand what the options are. And you're right. Given sort of how these systems are sort of working their way out, the old appeal system, the new systems, some of these claims have been lingering for multiple years. A six-figure retroactive payment, if something is changed, is it is not unusual based on the situation. And you're right. You'd like ideally to see that all go to the veteran and his or her family for their care and the like. And it's just, I don't know what the word is frustrating or just perplexing then when part of it goes to the lawyer. Now, if the lawyers were on the phone, they'd argue, well, we wouldn't have happened, whatever. But again, I just think we need to make sure veterans are informed and they are exercising the same kind of cleverness that they exercise when they're in service to make the right decision for themselves. And I think a lot of it is driven by the fact that 
there's a perception that the VA is trying to deny claims. I've heard it many times. Oh, they're just denying until I die. And that's what their goal is. So, oh, I need an advocate that is going to fight for me because, you know, he doesn't get paid unless I win. But if it's a bad claim, it's not going to get approved anyway. And so there, there are cases and situations where a good representative or a lawyer is needed. And we've had folks on the show that have talked about it, like with the Agent Orange exposure in Thailand and the law oh, was very specific about certain bases or certain jobs. But then they were also exposed and they weren't part of that claim and they could prove it, but it was a lot more difficult. And so they needed sort of specific evidence to overcome those specific things. And that's when I think it's worth it. But also you have to look at who are these lawyers? And, and if you're going to get a lawyer, are they a bet, are they specializing in veterans appeals? Because it's totally different than any other part of the law. Are they VA accredited? Which means like, does the VA have an agreement with them? Or are they going to follow the rules that the VA has? Do they do training? Are they up to date on the new rules? Are they tracking the new decisions out of the Court of uh, Appeals for Veterans Claims? Because all these things change. And if you're not practicing that kind of law and you're sort of just doing it on the side because it's pretty easy, you're not going to get the representation you think you're going to get, which is always a sad part about it. So there are times when a lawyer's needed, I'm sure. But for the vast majority of just appealing or even doing a higher level review, that's just a letter that you send the VA. And I think I would just, you know, echo what you just said about accreditation. That's also really important. I think some people slide over that, oh, I got a lawyer, right? Accreditation is like two features. One is it does sort of acknowledge that these people have had a, taken a test and some effort to make sure they understand kind of the rules. I know law is law, but law, veterans law is different, right? So you have to be up on it. And accreditation also comes with a background check, right? Solid citizen sort of stuff. So it's painful to realize people do take advantage of veterans. And you like to think accreditation is one way to minimize that. So certainly, and that's something you can find if your lawyer or your representative is accredited on VA's website quite easily. So I definitely think that's, again, the awareness of if you do go down the path where you pay, certainly seek out accreditation. Now, there is one caveat, and this is straight to the point, so I'll, I'll make sure I bring it up. If you're trying to upgrade your discharge because you got a bad conduct or dishonorable, yeah, you probably need a lawyer. That's a whole different challenge, and that's something you need to be able to get that changed before you get VA benefits, though there are Cases where there, it's honorable for VA purposes, which is different than the discharge that you have on your uh, DD-214. So that is a little bit different, but definitely with those type of cases, a lawyer is probably a good uh, decision point because that's much more involved and very difficult to do because that's the service that has to change it as opposed to the VA. And so that is something that maybe you should go get a lawyer with because that's a very challenging thing to overcome. But other than that, definitely go look at the free ones. I mean, there are tons of organizations that do nothing but ref have referrals for free lawyers, for veterans that are doing appeals or other assistance for veterans. So it's not just like, hey, go find who has the flashiest ad outside of your nearest base. <laughs> Those are probably yeah, not no. the ones you want to work with anyway. Yeah, no, I would check the tried and true, the standard organizations, as well as your states or counties. I think those are great places to uh, start and kick the tires on. So while you were at the VA, what was the most significant 
challenge or surprise you had with somebody that was filing a claim against the VA, like for benefits? Well, so a lot of it has to do with getting the evidence. So it's very hard to prove something that nobody has any evidence for. So someone come in and say, I hurt myself. Here's the evidence. You could go back and forth on whether it qualifies or not, but you had all the information. It was particularly frustrating when veterans would come in and say, I served in the 60s or 70s. I hurt my knee playing basketball on base, but I didn't go to the hospital. I didn't get anything about that. I can't find any of my buddies. So you just really feel for folks. I'd like to think they weren't making it up, but without any evidence of it actually happening, you just were really in a difficult situation. And so there's this kind of funny thing, which is a lot of people were just like, well, I just sucked it up. And even in more modern times, I heard that still happens all the time. So there's this kind of thing where, you know, through shows like this, we just need to pay people where like stuff happens and you've got to document it somehow. If it's not in your medical record, if it's not in your notes, if you don't have something that demonstrates it happened, it's very hard to get things, get benefits approved for that. So that was where you just really felt just, I hear you, but the rules are the rules and nothing can be done. So that's where people get so frustrated because they know that they hurt their leg playing basketball in 74 at this particular place. And it's been bothering them ever since, but nobody else knows that there's no proof. There's no documentation. There's no nothing. And it's 40 years later and they, they couldn't even remember who the people were and the base doesn't even exist perhaps or something. Yeah. And yeah. so that's where the people do get frustrated. I, I understand the frustration sometimes, but often it's a, a mixture of expectations that aren't really grounded in reality. And they've heard things that aren't necessarily right. always true. Like the story you always hear, oh, they're just trying to deny everybody until they die. Well, no, yeah. that's a bunch of crap. I mean, we've yeah, talked that's... about it. The VA folks have so many veterans serving they want to help. Yeah, the uh, that's the, I've heard it's a couple couple kind of fact based on that, right? Generally about 75% of the claims are approved, so it's not whatever. And then I used to get questions, well, if they do not approve their my benefits, they get their bonus. That's just inaccurate, okay? There is no relationship between that at all. So, again, you know, what often happens in benefits and this is broader than VA, it's when the benefits are denied, you immediately think they're dopes and they don't understand the rules and they somehow took advantage of you. Sometimes the evidence isn't there and you have to deny. And I think what we have to kind of maybe close on, Tyler, is have everyone understand like the weird situation, the unique situation VA is in, right? You have to be seen as doing this fairly. If you're seen as just being homers for the veterans, then one day the taxpayers will be think, well, this is silly. We need to cut benefits. And that's not an unreasonable thing given our history. If all the veterans just show up and they get money and nobody's really checking whether they deserve it or not, that will be the taxpayers will. If you're seen as just always being seen no, because the tax you're just worrying about the taxpayers and being a bean counter, then veterans will get frustrated. And this will one day probably affect people's willingness to serve. So it's got to be this kind of smart balance between advocating and understanding the veterans' issues and also appreciating the desire to be fair. And so it kind of kind of comes out the way it comes out. I don't think anybody really tries hard to put their fingers on the scale one way or the other. That was my observation. 
if somebody was giving bonuses or not getting bonuses at the VA because of how many benefits they turned down for veterans, I would see that on the front page of the Washington Post. Yeah. That would yes. be a huge deal. That would not be something like, oh, it's just how it's always been. That would be a big deal. That's the uh, mold at Walter Reed on the recovering veterans type of story sure. that would just keep going. Yeah. And the other thing too, to appreciate is like a year or so ago, back in the day, I mean, the statistics were something like 55% of the folks, the employees at the Veterans Benefits Administration were veterans. So they had this kind of appreciation for who they're interacting with. Is everyone a saint? No, of course not. But you got a sense of this was not as skewed a system as some people would represent it. And so having been there, I would say there's a lot more smarter people trying hard to do the right thing than sometimes they get the reputation for. You've been listening to Straight to the Point with Dr. Paul Lawrence and myself, Tyler Piron. Thank you so much. And we're going to have another show coming up. If you have ideas or suggestions, send us a message, drop it in on the Facebook links. Let us know what you think we should get straight to the point about. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for joining us on Straight to the Point with Dr. Paul Lawrence and Dr. Tyler Piron. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and a review. Want to keep up with Dr. Lawrence? Connect with him on LinkedIn. You can also follow us on Instagram at ComingHomeWell underscore BTS or on Twitter at ComingHomeWell. Thanks again. And until all are home and all are well, this is Coming Home Well.